Well, good morning. Morning. (laughs) Great to see all of you here. Um, We finished chapter 10 last week. And it was about the five kings and Joshua and the armies in the south. And they defeated them. Chapter 11, it's kind of a carbon copy. He goes to the north. And now King Jabin has his own alliance, coalition, and Joshua defeats them. Seven years they've been battling since the start of this book of Joshua. And we've been trekking through. And it's interesting because chapter 11, because it's very similar to chapter 10, is not preached upon a lot. But I believe that there are two very important things for us to learn and digest. And it will transform the way we live our life. And so we're going to be focusing on those two things this morning, okay? Not so much the war aspect, because now the war has ceased, but two things that I believe that we need to really figure out and really apply into our lives, okay? You guys with me? Okay, yes. Uh, You know what? It's catching on, okay? I, I can see it. And some of you, you're being shy. You're like, yes, 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 Yeah. Uh, you know, feel free to amen and hallelujah, and uh, it's all welcomed here. But that's where we're going. So the two things that we're going to see is we're going to see Joshua's complete obedience to God. Okay? And then the second thing we're going to see, and it's very important, we're going to see the incomplete rest of Joshua and the people of God. All right? I hope that intrigues you a little bit. The complete obedience and then this incomplete rest, but the rest that we need. Okay? So that's where we're going. So if you look at verse 15, it's the first verse we read. It says this. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses, his servant. So Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. And this next phrase is just powerful. He said, he left nothing undone. I love that. He left nothing undone. Of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, Joshua is far from perfect. We see him mess up at AI and all sorts of things. But this passage tells us that he, with every opportunity, he did not waste it, but he seized every single opportunity to obey God to the best of his ability. He left nothing undone. You know what? I'll just be honest. I want this to be my life model. Amen? That when it's all said and done, when I pass from this earth, that when people come up and speak about my life, I hope they would say this. That, you know, he wasn't perfect. He was a little weird. He was loud sometimes. But he left nothing undone that God wanted him to accomplish. I hope that that would be your heart because we see this in Joshua. He pursued obeying God. God. I'm going to tell you something right now. Um, Days are flying by. You know that this September it will be 10 years at Crossway. It's crazy because it feels like a blink of an eye. When we started this church, I was single, no kids, so I had a lot of energy. You know, I look younger, right? And I was 27 and literally it feels like this and now it's 10 years later. And I'm going to tell you right now, 
It's going to be like this, and it's going to be 10 years again. Are we seizing the moments and the opportunities that God is presenting before us now? Are we leaving nothing undone? Because we see this in Joshua. And see, this resonates with all of us because we were created for more. This is why books like, you know, John Piper wrote a book, Don't Waste Your Life. That was really popular. Now, it was an okay book, but you know why that resonates and that sells well? Because all of us, deep within us, we do not want to waste our life. This is why, like, purpose-driven life. Rick Warren wrote that book. It was a pretty good book, but millions and millions of copies were sold. Why? Because all of us, deep within us, Somewhere there, and sometimes it gets lost, but somewhere within us, we live and we desire to live with purpose for greater things and to seize the days and not just let it go by monotonously, right? Because none of us, I hope not, I hope none of us are thinking like, yeah, you know what, 2017, I hope it's mediocre. Like none of us think that. Man, I hope I don't grow at all. I hope I obey God just a little bit. None of us think this way. Because deep within, we resonate with this, to leave nothing undone. Because we know that our God is worthy of that. Are you with me? Is this something that resonates with you? Yes? Amen? Okay, good. Because if you said no, my, my sermon would have to change, okay? So... Expecting you to say yes, I think there's two important things that we do need to talk about when we talk about obedience, okay? Two things that if we don't understand fully, scripturally, that it can trip us up. Number one is this. There is a school of thought out there that says obedience is not necessary because we are saved by grace. And I want to address this, okay? First, we are saved by grace and faith alone in Jesus alone. Amen? Okay? We don't obey God to receive his grace, or the salvation. So I want to make that super clear. This is why Jonathan Edwards, he says, and you can shoot that up, he says, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. And we look at this and we say amen a hundred times, hallelujah. And we know that God has saved us in spite of us. And we do not obey to earn some sort of merit or grace or favor from God. Okay? Now, If our end goal was just salvation, then, okay, then sin all you want. Just live your life. You don't really have to obey because God's not going to take away salvation that he's granted to you. Does that make sense? So if our end goal is salvation, then yes, obedience is not maybe necessary. Now, but what's our end goal? That's not our end goal, right? What's our end goal? Anyone? Okay, that's okay. I have the answer. So the end goal is to glorify God. That is our end goal. It's not to get salvation, which is great, but we get salvation so that now we are in right standing with God and we can live to glorify him and make him number one most important person in our life. And when you have that as your goal, then obedience follows. I hope I didn't go too fast for that. Everyone okay with that? Yes? Because that will trip you up. And you see, um, this is what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, right? And this is a very important verse for us 
as Christians. It says, for by grace you have, by the way, um, you know, when I was in youth group, we used to sing a song about this. You guys remember that? For by grace, and then, do, 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 right, right, right. Because it's that important, right? It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I want to say that one more time, right? No one may boast. Not a result of works. But you cannot forget verse 10, right? Because verse 10 is the same thought, which is what? It says, we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, and we are created in Christ. Just think about this. We are created for what? For good works. We are created to obey God and to do things that what? He prepared beforehand that we should walk in what this passage, verse 10, is reminding us is, yes, we are saved by grace, but God's desire, if you want to glorify him and live for him, is to obey him and to walk in what he has prepared for us to walk in, the good works, right? This is what Steve Lawson says. Uh, this is a quote. It says this, many who profess Christ today emphasize a wrong view of grace that makes it a free pass to do whatever they please. Tragically, they have convinced themselves that the Christian life can be lived without any binding obligation to the moral law of God. In this hyper-grace distortion, the need for obedience has been neutered. The commandments of God are no longer in the driver's seat of Christian living, but have been relegated to the back seat, if not the trunk, like a spare tire to be used only in case of an emergency. It's powerful stuff here. Okay? When we obey God, we do need to be careful that we don't fall into legalism. We don't fall into this like, oh, I'm better because I'm on the worship team. Like, we don't want to think those things, and we got to be careful of that. But I want you to know something. Obedience is a good thing, and it honors God, and we are to pursue it. Yes? All right. The second thing that might trip us up. Selective obedience is as good as complete obedience. Okay? Um, this is kind of the idea of you pick and choose what you want to kind of obey. So, for example, you might be like, well, I don't murder people, so I like that one. Yeah, do not murder. I like that. That's pretty good. But sex out of marriage? Ah, I don't know. Uh, that one I don't like. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. You know, and then she's like, uh, uh, judging people? Yeah, I don't want people to judge me, so I like that one. Tithing? Ah, no. Ah, no, I, I mean, I'm not. So, so we just kind of selectively choose. And so we've got to be careful. Because even though that's okay, because God's grace covers over that, we want to make sure that at least in our hearts, our pursuit is complete obedience, right? If you look, this was God's desire for Joshua. If you look at chapter 1, verses 7 through 8, from the beginning of Joshua, this is what God told him he wanted him to do. He says, only be strong and very courageous. What? Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. Don't turn. Don't just select all the law you pursue and you try to obey. Okay? So these are two things that we need to understand when we say yes. Because you all said yes, right? I remember that, right? It was like 10 minutes ago, but you guys all said yes. Yeah, I don't want to leave anything undone. This is what God's calling us to. To not just be selective. To not just do stuff that we like. 
But sometimes, and you want, I want you to understand something about Joshua's life. That journey for the, seven, the 11 chapters we've been reading, God has asked him to do some very difficult things. And Joshua's like, I did not turn from the left or right. I follow. And God might ask us to do some very difficult things that might cost us. But when we say yes to this, we're saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to obey fully. Um, I love what Rick Warren says about this. He says, often... We try to offer God partial obedience. We want to pick and choose the commands we obey. We make a list of the commands we like and obey those while ignoring the ones we think are unreasonable, difficult, expensive, or unpopular. I'll attend church, but I won't tithe. I'll read my Bible, but won't forget the person who hurt me. Yet, partial obedience is disobedience. Now, I want you to understand something. Right? God's grace covers over all of this. And so we, we have foundationally, it's about Jesus. But obedience is a good thing. And we should pursue it so that we do not leave things undone as we walk this life. Amen? All right. The second thing we're going to see in our passage. Because of Joshua's obedience, war ceases and then there is rest. Verse 23, it says this. So Joshua took the whole land, right? So they're in the promised land. According to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments, and the land had rest from war. Seven years they've been battling, and finally, they can breathe. Let's just be frank. Look, we all need rest. Amen? Who's tired right now? We all need rest. See, there's this misconception. I don't know if you knew this, but if I, I was in Boston for a little bit. I've traveled different areas. And there's a miscon, kind of misunderstanding because they think Southern Californians are all laid back. Yeah, you guys are so stress-free. You go to the beach. You hang out. You have barbecues. Right? Like, that's kind of the mis- That's very far from the truth, isn't it? We are running like mad men and mad women all over everywhere. Our to-do list is way too long. We are more stressed than blessed. When the, or I should say we feel more stressed than blessed. And we just have too much going on. And we need rest. But when I say this, um, it's not just physical rest we need. We need spiritual rest. Now, if you read Hebrews chapter 4, it actually talks about Joshua and the rest here in Joshua 11. So I want you to go there to verse 8 and 9. It says this, because we're going to be talking about the incomplete physical rest, okay? It says this in verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, stop there. What's wrong about this? I thought he gave them rest, right? You tracking with me? In Joshua 11, it said the land had rest. But what the author of Hebrews is telling you is that it was an incomplete rest. It wasn't the full rest that God has for his people. He says, if Joshua had given them rest, because he really didn't fully, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
It's an incomplete rest because even though they cease from activity in terms of war, because we are created as spiritual beings, not physical beings alone, we need more than just physical rest. We need spiritual rest. You guys tracking? Okay. Maybe not everyone's there. Let me give you an illustration. When I was in Boston and I was studying for my THM, um, I was constantly fatigued. For a month straight, I was sleeping like eight hours a night because, you know, I didn't have kids. I wasn't married. I didn't even have a full-time job at that time. And I was taking two to three-hour naps. And I was still just wiped out. I was so tired. And it got to a point where I was like, I think I have mono. Like, I, I got to go to the doctor. Something is wrong. I just feel so messed up. So then I went to the doctor. They took out my blood, urine. They did this full thing. And then I was shocked at what the doctor told me. He came in, and you know what he said to me? He said, John, nothing's wrong with you. You're completely healthy, actually, kind of per se. And I was like, doctor, for a month, <laughs> okay, I've been feeling this way. Maybe you missed something. He said, no, you know what's wrong with you? He said, you're stressed. I was like, I don't feel stressed. I'm sleeping eight hours a day. I'm taking three-hour naps. How are you going to tell me I'm stressed? And I'm not stressed. And then I'll never forget what he told me. Now, he's not a Christian, and he wasn't speaking into some spiritual truth, but he said something very important. He said, you know, I want you to know something. As a doctor, the human body is very interesting. That even if you get physical sleep, you might not heal. He said, there are depressed people that sleep hours upon hours and they never feel better. So the human body is created in a way that you need just more than sleep. And I remember that really, it kind of spoke to me because I was like, because some of us, we just think, man, if I could take a nap, I'll be good. And although naps are good, I want you to know something. We are created in a way where you need spiritual rest. And what that is, is Hebrews 4.9 is telling us that we need to take Sabbath rest. Not just naps, not just sleeping well, not just seizing from activity, but Sabbath rest because we are spiritual beings. Now, what is Sabbath rest? I'm going to define it for us. Uh, this is kind of the best thing I've heard. Sabbath rest is an intentional effort to turn off and tune in. Okay, so there's two aspects there. Turn off the stuff in the world and tune in to God. Jesus in the Gospels, he called himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Do you remember that? So if you're saying you have a Sabbath, but you're not meeting the Lord of the Sabbath, you're not having Sabbath. So Sabbath rest is an intentional effort to turn off what's happening in the world, in your life, and to tune in to Christ. And so in Joshua, it's amazing. What the author of Hebrews is telling you is even though they had physical rest where there's no war, it was incomplete because it is temporal. It is not, it's just physical. How many of you guys have taken a nap, you wake up and you feel worse? Have you ever experienced that? I have, more since I've had kids. Like, I just wake up and I just feel like jacked. Like, I'm not rested at all. I'm like more groggy. I, I, you know, have you ever woken up and you don't know what time it is? You're like, what, what, what just happened? 
right? One time I was playing with Maddie, and this is when Maddie was about one. I kid you not, like I was like throwing her and I was lying down. Next thing I remember, I just fell asleep. I woke up, I couldn't find Maddie. So she's just luckily playing with her toys. But I don't know how long I slept. I was just like, I was just, and then I woke up and it just, you just, see, you need to know that God has created us in a way where it's incomplete to just have physical rest. You need, if you don't want to break down, you need to have Sabbath rest in Christ. Now, Leviticus 23.3, it says something very powerful, and I want to kind of highlight this. It says this, six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. It's a holy convocation. You cease from work, right? But it is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. It's a holy convocation where you meet with God and you let him refresh and renew you spiritually. Okay. Uh, I do want to say one thing. And we just talked about obedience and being and driven and not wasting days. And so you're like, Pastor John, you just contradicted yourself. You said go crazy and then like rest. What's going on? Well, this is something I think it's important for us to learn. Did you, not, did you know that to obey God is to rest? To rest is obedience to God because God commands us to rest. When God created, for six days he worked, seventh day he rested. Why? Because he was tired? No, he doesn't get tired. He was modeling something for us because he knows how we are created and he wants us to copy what he modeled which is to work hard, obey him, but also obey me by resting well, to turn off the connections to the world and to tune in. Oh, something I've been doing, and this is something maybe that I encourage you. Um, so Mondays are my Sabbath, because Sunday obviously is crazy. So Monday after I drop off my kids around 9.30, I have about five hours. And for those five hours, I committed to not use my phone at all. So to cut off, to turn off. It's only five hours. You might be like, that's, that's it? Five hours? That doesn't sound radical. Let me tell you how difficult that is. You know why? Because we're all addicted. We're all addicted to media. We're addicted to tuning in. We want to be connected all the time. And I'm going to tell you right now, even as a pastor, you know how hard it is for me not to check my phone? Like I'm in Starbucks and I'm trying to read God's word and then a little notification comes up. Ding. Huh, someone liked my photo. <laughs> Interesting. Thing. And then, you know, and we are, I'm going to tell you right now, we are so, by our culture, messed up because we don't know how to turn off. And I think sometimes we, like, we think, like, how come I can't tune into Christ? But maybe it's just you're just tuned into too many other things. And we need to start turning and cutting stuff out if we want to say, I want to make intentional effort to pursue Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. You need this. I'm gonna, if you're tired and worn out, I want you to know something. You don't just need physical rest. You need spiritual Sabbath in Christ. It will transform your life. Psalm 23. I talked about it last week, and I want to kind of mention something again. It says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 2 is very powerful. What does he say? He makes me, what? Lie down. 
a good shepherd, knowing us, he will make us lie down at times. Because we are, have you ever had this where you run like crazy, crazy, and then you just get like dead sick, and you're just in bed. And what happened? I had so much to do. I was just like, and then God will make you rest if you don't want to rest, because he's our good shepherd. He has now wired us in a way where we can run 24-7, 356 and survive and not break down. And he knows us, right? Uh, for example, um, you know, with my kids, you know, we, we didn't sleep train my kids. And so it was a living nightmare for like three years. It was, it was just nuts. But recently, they've been sleeping finally on their own. So we put them to bed. They kind of sleep in the same room. And then we, we read them a book. You know, we do the whole thing, brush their teeth, and we put them in. And then we say, all right, don't. Don't leave. You gotta go to sleep now. And then we go to our room. What happens? If you're a parent, what happens? It's always, right? They come in. I'm thirsty. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you get some water, you know? And okay. And so go back. You gotta go to sleep. Okay, it's getting late. What happened? I gotta go pee. Okay, you go pee. Now, my kids are pretty smart, and I think they know that, like, pastor, you know, he's a pastor. He can't get mad at me if I do this. So you know what they've been doing recently? It, like, the three, the four time, and they can sense, like, hey, Papa told you, go to, do uh, you know what they do? They do, I love you, Daddy. I just want to tell you I love you. And so they come into, I love you, Mommy. And, and, and then, you know, you can't even get mad. You're like, okay, I love you, too. Go, go sleep. Go, go sit down. Don't get it out. Now, if I'm a good dad, what would I do? I make them lie down. I make them sleep because it's good for them. I would be the worst daddy if I'm like, you love me? Okay, let's watch movie. Yay. You know, it, it, that's not, that's not, doesn't do anything for them. We need rest. We need to work hard for the Lord and live our life in a way where we are just pursuing him and leaving things undone. But a part of that obedience is to rest in Christ well. If you are not intentionally putting effort, because I'm going to tell you right now, it is hard. I know. Especially you in the parents' room. They, they walk out of there. Just, I'm going to speak to you for once, okay? You in the camera, okay? If you're not paying attention, you better be paying attention right now, okay? I'm speaking to you because I know, especially for people in this room with young children, it is very difficult. I know. But if you are not making intentional effort to create space to say, I need Jesus, you will break down. And there's an incomplete rest that we see in Joshua that now the author of Hebrews is saying, look, we have that blessing and availability to meet with Christ, not in a temple, not through someone, but just face to face personally. That is the Sabbath that we all need. I hope that you would try to pray through this, to get accountability in this, and to make this something. Because if you're going to pursue him hard, we need to pursue rest well. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you for your word. And there's just these nuggets of truth in Joshua that we can apply into our lives. And in the midst of war, they cease from activity. And maybe 
in the beginning, that, that rest was so good. But it doesn't last because life just comes. Help us to be obedient to your calling wherever you're leading us, and especially in the area of Sabbath rest in you. We need your help in this because so many of us in this room right now, maybe we can't remember a time when we truly rested in you. And we wonder why we feel so fatigued. So help us, God, to find more of you, to put intentional effort and mind space and being created in the busy schedule of our lives to make sure that we have you and we pursue you, God. We thank you for that reminder this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.